you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, and that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. Joined, as always, by Michael F. Florio and producer Steve. And first off, Florio, uh, congratulations on the Bills. I know they made you sweat it out. Uh, I, I loved seeing your whole outfit, uh, <laughs> the, the whole like, the Superman Bills outfit with the cape and everything. But uh, you got to still be flying high after what happened this weekend. I, I was. It, it's funny. A lot of people thought that was a Bill's cape. It was just like a Bill's blanket that I had <laughs> that I like, was holding out. But it's cooler to say it's a cape, so I should have just uh, stuck with that. But, yeah, it was fun, Marcus. Uh, I The last couple of years is the first taste I've had of the playoffs. This was their first win since <laughs> I really watched football. I think I was four years old the last time they won. I, I have no memory of that. So, Thank you. I'm I'm pumped, and I'm looking forward to watching them again this weekend. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, uh, a really interesting matchup against Baltimore. So uh, I'm sure we'll we'll definitely get into that probably when we get uh, to Thursday's show and we start kind of picking our, our DFS lineups for that. Um, 
But the the other big thing from the weekend, and I know you watched it. I know Steve watched it too. I want to get his thoughts on this. The the game between the Bears and Saints. Not so much for the game itself, because the the game itself was not particularly entertaining. Uh, the, the Saints ended up winning pretty easily. Uh, but what was interesting was that it was on Nickelodeon. And a lot of people, I know all three of us watched the game on Nickelodeon. And Steve, I'll start with you. I mean, just your your general thoughts on what that broadcast was like. Oh, my gosh. What a glorious broadcast. So I'm here <laughs> with my girlfriend. And just full disclosure, she is not a sports fan. So uh, six or seven games in a row over the course of a weekend, I think on the college game, is a really tough sell. But when there was a SpongeBob SquarePants broadcast, Holy smokes. Uh, it is so hard to sell her in the second quarter of a game, but when she heard that SpongeBob was coming out for the halftime show, we were disappointed it wasn't Sweet Victory, that song. Uh, look it up. But, uh, <laughs> wow, uh, that that was something else. I think that has a little bit of staying power. They might keep doing this um, for, for some games to come. Yeah, I mean, Florio, so one of the things we were – I was talking with some friends about, like we were trying to figure out, was this was this actually a good, fun broadcast, or was it just that, like – it was it was so different. Like, was it was it a novelty thing, or is this a thing like we think could actually have some some life to it beyond this past weekend? See, for me, it was a novelty thing. Like, I grew up. Uh, I, I was you know a kid when SpongeBob came out, and that was one of my favorite shows as a kid. So, getting to see SpongeBob call a game, I was like, yeah, how am I not going to tune into that? <laughs> and similar to Steve, my fiance is not a football fan, and. She watches indoors more football throughout the season than than I think she ever expected to have to. But when she heard it was a SpongeBob game, she got excited and she was like, I'll watch that game with you. Like and she watched the pregame show with me at halftime. And it was cool to see, you know, like when they would score the sliming and stuff. And and it was cool to see Sean Payton get slimed after the game, even though I think he flexed being like, oh, I could leave my 11s on to get slimed because I have so many. But it was just fun. And. I'm saying it from, you know, a near 30-year-old's perspective. I, I would imagine, like, if you were a kid or something, I saw on Twitter a lot of kids were were excited to watch the game and, and have it called by SpongeBob. I, you know, I, as, as somebody who was, look, admittedly in his early 20s when SpongeBob first came out, but because I'm a nerd like that, like, I always loved it and I watched it. And I was definitely sort of in on it. I would say that the one thing that sort of kept me on the Nickelodeon broadcast was that the game itself wasn't great you know it, i i did after the, i watched the first quarter on nickelodeon then started the second quarter i turned over to the cbs broadcast and because the game was just so dull um yeah and look no offense to, to nance and roma who were doing their best to try and, and spice it up as much as possible there just was nothing going on so i'm like well i'm gonna go back and watch some slime or watch some fire emojis or something like that so i do think they were sort of helped by not having it be a great game. Like, I think if it were, um, you know, if it were one of the other games, like if it were even Bill's Colts or something like that, or one of the other games from the weekend, um, I think at some point you sort of want to just get into the game itself and maybe you have gone back to CVS. But uh, I think I think they sort of, you know, they kind of got lucky in the sense that it was not a great game. I think the most exciting part of that game, honestly, was Cordero Patterson dropping an F-bomb out on the <laughs> Nickelodeon wasn't ready for that one. They were not ready for that one, uh, but yeah, so that'll be fun. So, I, so I want to take a vote then. If let's say just a random regular season game, let's just let's say week three next year, uh, they decide to do a Nickelodeon game. Are either one of you going to at least click over for a little bit just to see what's going on? Hundred percent standalone game. Yeah, I wouldn't switch off Red Zone for it though. Okay, all right, uh, cool. I just I, 
I was just interested to, to see. Well, we're not regular NFL fans here on this uh, podcast. If you're talking the general casual fan that's trying to maybe watch like a one game or be introduced to the game, they're absolutely going to go for this Nickelodeon broadcast. So me and you or, or you know, everyone here, we might tune in for a quarter, but I think that people are really going to get into this if they keep it going. I think that's fair. I think so I think that's obviously the the point of doing it is to try and introduce obviously the the target audience is kids. Uh they're much younger audience than any of us here, but um I mean I think that's the point is to try and and introduce people to the game, get them used to the personalities. Uh you know, look, I thought Nate Burleson did a great job of sort of explaining like mm-hmm. I, I will say this. I felt like he he emptied the bag on on <laughs> referencing other Nickelodeon shows and making like analogies that the kids would understand. Like he really just like he unloaded the full bag on that one. So I don't know that he could do it week after week because that would be hard. Um, he had but more I thought, SpongeBob knowledge than I thought. Oh, he was deep. He was deep in SpongeBob, <laughs> um, and I thought they had a good crew. I mean, Nate, you know, kind of being the the football guy there to sort of explain things. Uh, Gabby Green. Uh, you know, kind of as the you know, the the novice to football, just kind of you know telling you what she's seeing, uh, and then Noah Eagle, who you know obviously is a younger guy, and and obviously he was pretty deep in his Nickelodeon knowledge too. So props to him for that. Um, but I thought it was fun. I really truly enjoyed it, and I'm I'm curious to see what they do with and it going forward. Yeah, I I did think it was cool that like they explained the rules and like mm-hmm. would explain why certain things were happening because I think. Uh, that is the hardest part of getting into football is I think it seems pretty overwhelming as like a kid or if you're just a new first time watcher or something like there's a lot of different rules and stuff. So to explain it and kind of have a grasp of what's going on is only going to help. And Marcus, I, I know you said you were 20 when or in your 20s when SpongeBob came out. It's one of the few cartoons that I think is actually funnier <laughs> to adults than kids. It probably is because there are a lot of just like little subtle things about SpongeBob that's really, really funny. Uh, you know, as you get older, you can you can sort of uh, appreciate that. I also wanted them to explain what the catch rule was because grown people can't figure <laughs> that one out. So I wanted to see how they were possibly going to explain what is a catch uh, to a to a kid's audience. That would have been. That would be interesting. Um, all right, no, I, but I do feel like the, I feel like overall the the response was positive. Um, I think that's good. I think that's good for obviously for the broadcasters. I think it's good for the league. Uh, it's good for us too because that means we have another audience potentially coming and listening to us talk about fake football and that sort of thing. So, uh, all right. Let us turn our attention to the fake football game. We have been doing our exit interviews uh, for the past week. We are now into slots nine through 12, the next four teams on our list. Let's start with the Denver Broncos. They were five and 11 this past year. They are sitting in the number nine slot, and it was just kind of an up and down year for them. Um, A lot of injuries. They added Melvin Gordon, who was hurt at times, who was just okay. Um, you know, Drew Locke is still, I think, developing as their quarterback. But if you could pick out one or two good things that you saw from them this past year, what would they be? It would be tough, but I think <laughs> uh, I think the best development for the Broncos this season was their wide receivers. Like Tim Patrick looks like he can ball in the NFL, and like he looks like he can can be a reliable two, three, four, whatever you need him on this team. I know they lost Cortland Sutton early, but Tim Patrick did step up. Jerry Judy was very up and down, hit or miss this year, but he did show flashes. And I think at the very least, there's no one saying like Jerry Judy can't play at the NFL level. Like his route running was precise. He did have some issues with drops, but he's a rookie and, 
and there was frustration there, but I, I don't think that's all on Jerry Judy. And, and then like KJ Hamler even showed that he can be a field stretcher at the NFL level. So I think their wide receivers uh, playing really well was the big, uh, like the one thing that really did go right for this offense this year. That was a thing that I, I picked up on probably late in the season was just watching these guys play and progress. And look, you, you talk about Tim Patrick. I mean, you know, this past year, we we saw quite a bit of him because, you know, he was forced into a bigger role. We can go back to the end of 2019 where they had some injuries at wide receiver. And we saw Tim Patrick flash uh, and have some kind of nice games late in the 2019 season as well. So I think he's shown over the last couple of years that he really could step in. And you, you throw that in with what we expect from Judy next year, what happens when Cortland Sutton is healthy, uh, you know, throw in that he's not a wide receiver, but throw in what Noah Fant is and can be. Um they are not hurting in pass catchers. That is a thing where I think they are, are very strong. Now, we'll see what happens at running back. I know they've got Melvin Gordon for a while. You know, Philip Lindsay, I think, is still a talented guy, even though he, he couldn't stay healthy this year. Um, it really is about the development of Drew Locke in terms of, of what's going to happen. And I think that, for me, is maybe the biggest thing that needs to improve. Drew Locke just has to get better. And not that he's awful, you know, not that, that, is, that they're ready to pull the plug on him, but I do think the Broncos need to see more from Drew Locke next year. And, you know, uh, that I think will we'll sort of, and we've talked about this with other teams too. The quarterback position is the catalyst for uh, what, what happens around him. I, and that to me is, is what's going to have to change. I don't know if you feel the same way or if there's something else that you're looking at, you think needs to get better next year. No, I think it is the quarterback position and I don't, I, it's one of those things like I wish they would move on from Drew Locke because we've had two seasons of him and I don't think he is. And as you hear my dog barking, she does not like <laughs> she Drew Locke. Like either, right? <laughs> she, she wants her God. I, I'm kind of driving the the Jameis Winston. I want to see him start again train. And like I would love to see Jameis Winston in Denver because you look at all the, the pieces they have around him. Like they have a lot a talent on the offensive side of the ball and in Sutton, Judy, Fant, Patrick, Hamler, like we were talking about. And then there are two running backs too. Like it's just, you need the quarterback to be able to take advantage of those players' talents. And Drew Locke has just been way too inconsistent for my liking. He turns the ball over way too much. And also I feel like when I watch them play, like, like they're, they're still easing. I don't know. I feel like they're not asking him to do, uh, like what you would ask a, a normal quarterback to do. It's a lot more run the ball, safe throws. And I, I just I, – I know like Jameis Winston, he has turnover issues. Drew Locke led the league in interceptions this year. So you already have that. At least, you know, it's someone like Winston. You could get a lot of yards or whatever. But I do fully expect them to go into next year with Drew Locke as the starter. The only thing I, I am expecting, Marcus, is that they upgrade their backup because I don't know if, if Locke gets the full 16 games again if he continues to struggle. That's that's probably fair. Um, the other part, though, is uh, the Broncos have not been great with quarterback evaluations. Uh, you know, and I know that, you know, John Elway recently gave himself a promotion, I guess. I don't know. He, he has a bigger title right now and he, I think, I guess, has a higher pay grade. So we'll see if he is actually going to be in charge of that or whether or not he just sort of you know, is more hands off. But the Broncos have not been great with quarterback evaluations. And that, I think, is something to sort of keep in mind with whatever they do, whether it's Drew Locke, whether it's somebody else uh, heading into to the 2021 season. So we talked about the wide receivers there in Denver and, and how good they could be. If you are ranking them, let's, you know, let's throw you know, Sutton, uh, Judy, Patrick and Hamler all in the mix. How and what order are you ranking them? 
Uh, so for 2021, as of now, I think I would have it Sutton, Judy, Patrick, Hamler. Uh, Hamler, I think, is better for real life because he's that field stretcher. But good luck guessing when he's going to have one of those blow-up games. Patrick, as good as he's played, I still think they would put Sutton and Jerry Judy, given what they've invested in those two, uh, as their top two wide receivers. Sutton just showed us in 2019 that he's a field stretcher. He's a big play threat. And I think Jerry Judy can be that as well. I think Jerry Judy has the highest ceiling of these three, um, but he is more of a you know precision route runner and stuff. So I think he kind of relies on... Drew Locke putting the ball and hitting him when he, you know, after his cuts and when he make, gets open more than like a Sutton who Sutton could make up for it because he's just so fast streaking down the sideline that he could just catch one long ball and have a good day. I, I would completely echo that ranking there. And I, look, I, as good as Tim Patrick can be, and as much as we have hyped him up and, and like him, um, Sutton is easily the number one in this offense when he is healthy. And because of you know, partially because of the draft capital they spent on Jerry Judy, but also because of what his ceiling potentially can be, he's going to get every chance to be the number two wide receiver in this offense. And so just, I think, because of circumstance, Tim Patrick is kind of the third option there. Uh, and you're right, Hamler is the guy who's going to be, he's hit or miss. And I think, you know, I feel like every potentially good offense sort of has one of those guys, that field stretcher, that, that lid lifter, whatever you want to call him, uh, who is a boom or bust guy in fantasy, but really does add something to your offense. Um, and so I think because of that, he's going to be a hard guy to pinpoint. He's going to be those guys. I always say this is a cop out, but I use it anyway. Um, he's a great best ball guy. You know, KJ Hamler is a great best ball guy because, you know, you never know. He could have one of those, you know, three for a hundred and a touchdown sort of games. You just don't know when it's going to happen. It's funny you say that, Marcus, because right before you said it, I was going to, like, I was getting ready to say, you know, we're getting ready for a new season. <laughs> where we can say, like, this is a best ball pick because that's exactly <laughs> what Hamler is. Yeah, this is exactly it. It's a best ball guy. So, uh, so it's interesting to see. We'll see what happens with the Broncos, especially at the quarterback spot this year. That moves us to the Dallas Cowboys in the number 10 spot coming off a 6-10 season. A 6-10 season in which they still almost made the playoffs because, well, NFC East. Um, and I feel like, you know, with everything surrounding the Dallas Cowboys, this is probably best listened to with circus music underneath it or something. Uh, because it just feels like that's what the Cowboys are at any given point. Um, obviously, the the big thing for them this past year was the injury to Dak Prescott. And that changed everything. Um, you know, Andy Dalton had to step in at some points, although, you know, he missed a few games. Uh, we saw Ben DiNucci. We saw Garrett Gilbert uh, at quarterback for Dallas. That's just kind of how things went. And, and you know, if, if Dak stays healthy, who knows what happens with this offense and with this team in general. But defensively, they struggled all year long, which, as you have pointed out, is great for our purposes because it means you're probably throwing the ball a whole lot more. Um, but with all that said, what did you see that was good from this team this year? I think the first month of the season when like Dak was healthy and Dak was throwing for like nearly 400 yards a game <laughs> and putting up 20 fantasy points per game and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper were playing well and Zeke was playing well. Like that, I think is if you're a Cowboys fan or you're looking for next year at fantasy, you look at that and you say, all right, when they have their pieces, when they have their quarterback, 
they they are a good a, a very good fantasy offense one of the best in the league i think but once you took Dak out i know they they had offensive line struggles and stuff but it's clearly the quarterback position you take Dak out completely different offense but that would happen if you took out a mahomes a watson an allen you know so i'm not going to hold that against them but i'm super excited for cd lamb going into 2021 i was on the C.D. Lamb like hype train coming into 2020, and the first five months of the season, he was giving you over uh, the first five weeks, he was giving you over 17 fantasy points per game. He was averaging nearly 90 receiving yards, and what happened then was he lost Dak, and his points per game went down dramatically and stuff. But that hot month, Marcus, that was his first five games in the NFL without a preseason. So just imagine what he can do with Dak in hopefully a normal 2021 season. He was the guy, speaking of C.D. Lamb, that <clears throat> I thought had the highest overall ceiling from this rookie class. And, and you know how much we hyped up this, this rookie wide receiver class. I thought, I thought Justin Jefferson was the guy who would step in and be productive right away, and he was. Um, but I did think C.D. Lamb is the guy that long-term has the highest ceiling, and I think what you talked about sort of points to that. Um, and, and we will see what happens next year if Dak is back and healthy and if he can stay on the field for 16 games, what this means to that offense. Also throw in the fact that, you know, maybe not next year, but at some point in the very near future, Amari Cooper is probably not going to be there anymore, which means that Lamb probably gets thrust into that number one wide receiver situation. And, and he showed that I think he's ready to be a big play guy. Curious to see if maybe they move him to the outside a little bit more in the future and see if he can if he can win some of his matchups there, but was was killer from the slot in 2020. And I think that's something certainly to be very, very excited about. The other thing was um, just seeing sort of the emergence of a guy like Tony Pollard and, and not that he is ready to come in and suddenly be a workhorse back, but I think he proved that he can be productive. I mean, this is a guy that we were talking about late in the season as sort of a, a must add a guy that you had to have on your roster. And, uh, even maybe having a little bit of standalone value because of how the Cowboys used him. And in a world where more and more teams are going to running back rotations, where they're having kind of a second guy, uh, even when they have a top line back in front of them, uh, Tony Pollard has proven that he can step in and sort of be one of those guys that, that you know, I think we get to 2021 drafts. Um, people will be drafting him, I would imagine, in kind of the mid to late rounds as a guy that maybe, you know, in the right situations uh, can be a, a flex option for, for teams. So that was good. Um, bad beyond the defense. I mean, the defense was bad. Anything else that was that was bad that needs to kind of get better next year? Yeah, I think uh, if you had Michael Gallup in fantasy, uh, it's easy to look at what he did those last couple of weeks. But even when he had Dak, like he he averaged one more point with Dak than without. And and then like CeeDee Lamb was averaging nearly six more. Uh, Amari Cooper was over four more points per game. Uh, and the targets, he averaged, Michael Gallup averaged more targets without Dak than with. So I, I would be worried if all three of these wide receivers are there next year. I would be a little bit worried about Gallup. And then... I mean, you were talking about Tony Pollard, Marcus. Ezekiel Elliott was the biggest bust uh, on this team, I think, and maybe of one of the biggest busts this season, non-injury bust, because he was going as a top four pick consensus like uh, in every single draft, and he did not return anywhere close to that value. And what I, I know it's easy to say he lost Dak, they lost offensive line pieces, he'll be back to his normal self next year, but – he was already starting to decline coming into 2020. Like his rushing yards per game has decreased in every single season since he's entered the NFL. It started at 108 his rookie year, 
And this year was down to 65. So that is a huge decrease. And then he had a career low in yards before contact. So maybe you could blame that on the offensive line. But he also had a career low in in uh, yards before contact the first five weeks of the season when they were healthy. So to me, it's like Zeke is going to be a really hard player for me to kind of figure out how I feel about him for 2021. But I, as of right now, you know, it's early January, but as of today, I'm thinking more of a second round pick than first round if he's going to be on my teams. Which was sort of my question, too, because you talk about that. I was going to ask whether or not you think he's still a top five running back. And obviously the answer is no. Um, I do think he... I think he's going to still stay in the first round in a lot of drafts. Um, but you're going to be talking about him sort of in that back part of the first round, right? So, I mean, we've kind of talked about some of the running backs at the top where it's going to be in in whatever order. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry. Uh, I mean, that's four right there. Alvin Kamara probably going to stay in that top five. And then once you get to like six, then you're going to start talking about the Devontae Adams. Uh, you know, the Travis Travis Kelsey is going to probably slot in there, probably in the top seven or eight. Um, and I think maybe you start talking about Zeke at that point, maybe eight, nine, uh, a little bit later. I, I think that as we talk about sort of, I always talk about the muscle memory that, that we have in fantasy. And I think you, especially when you talk about uh, getting to folks who aren't necessarily the degenerates and the diehards like we are, sort of the, the more casual players who just know Ezekiel Elliott from being that elite guy for so long. I think that will probably keep him in the first round in a lot of drafts. But I, I would think when you talk about uh, a lot of, of, you know, some of the sharps, some of the people who do this, the, those of us who will be talking about this for the next six or seven months, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe fall out of that first round in a lot of leagues. Um, I don't does know think he's watched up. <laughs> I was good. He he is. I, I wouldn't say he's washed up yet, but he is teetering with that. Like if he is a down year in 2021, I think we can put him on the washed up team. And I was going to say, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but as of today, give me Jonathan Taylor over Ezekiel Elliott next season. I don't think that's a hot take at all. Um, that's a guy that I didn't mention. We talk about that first round, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor's probably going to creep into that first round and whether or not people are taking him ahead of Zeke, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting litmus test and an interesting argument uh, heading into the, into the 2021 season. Uh, okay. So we go from the Cowboys to their division rivals, the giants who were also six and 10 who uh, are in the number 11 slot. And uh, you know, look, we had, we had our pal uh, Eddie Murphy here for a long time producing who was, you know, giants fan number one. And, and, you know, we kind of, uh, I sort of enjoyed, uh, maybe a little bit maliciously sometimes, kind of his ups and downs. It was just kind of fun to watch him week to week sort of agonize over this team. You know, at, at one point we counted them out, then they were back in it and had very much a chance I, to win. I give him credit. He never gave up. Like No. He, he Even when they were 5 and 10, he was like, we got a <laughs> chance. We just need a couple things to go our way. I was like, I, I give him a lot of credit because it's hard to stick with your team when they're bad. Yeah, no, but he credit to him because he did. He he battled through, uh, and and look was basically one game away from winning the division. You know, um, uh, look, depending on who you ask, if you ask Joe Judge, I'm sure he has a, a certain opinion on how things went down between uh, the Eagles and the football team. But whatever. Anyway, the Giants are are drafting at number eleven. Ah. I am trying to think of what I thought was good for them in 2021. And, and Florio, I'm really struggling to come up with anything. I guess we had that stretch of Wayne Gallman kind of mid to late season where he stepped in for Saquon Barkley and, and played well. 
Um, but beyond that, I don't, I, I don't know, maybe you have something that I'm overlooking, but I just am struggling to find something that I can really hang my hat on with the Giants this season. No, it, I am in the exact same position as you. The, the one thing I was thinking was that stretch of Wayne Gallman, it makes me feel good at least a little bit about Saquon Barkley because new head coach and stuff, but we did see that they were still sticking with the run game. They were still throwing to the running backs. And most importantly, when they were getting near the goal line, they were still allowing their running back to punch it in. So I have uh, uh, that, that at least to me makes me think like, all right, Saquon Barkley is still a top five pick once he's healthy. But besides that, Marcus, like Daniel Jones regressed. I think all of the receivers regressed. Evan Ingram, my Giants fans joke, uh, my Giants fans friends joke all the time that Evan Ingram is the worst Pro Bowl pick ever. <laughs> and, and like, it's hard to argue with that. The guy averaged 8.8 fantasy points per game. He was I, I traded for him in some leagues because I thought that he, uh, you know, when he came back healthy and they had a favorable schedule, I thought like, hey, this could be a potential tight end, not a league winner, but you know, a tight end that could give me 10 points a week. He couldn't even do that. So I, I it's hard to pick anything that is really positive for this Giants team this season. It just was, man. Uh, I mean, they just, I look at them and like they win six games and I'm sort of trying to figure out exactly how defensively they were good. I, I shouldn't say that because they were, they were a good defensive team. They just offensively struggled uh, to score points consistently. And, and all the, the parts of that offense that we thought were going to be successful, just, just left us disappointed. Um, you, know, you mentioned Evan Ingram, the wide receivers were not particularly great. I mean, there was a, there was a point last summer when I thought Darius Slayton uh, had the chance to really step up and maybe be a sleeper pick, and and that really never happened. Ingram was frustrating. Uh, it just it just was overall kind of disappointing. So uh, that leads me to what can improve, which I guess based on what we just said is a, a pretty that's a pretty wide uh, wide gap of what can improve <laughs> in twenty twenty one. I don't know if there's anything you want to specifically put your finger on for next year. I think the quarterback play has to improve like Daniel Jones. I know his rookie season was up and down, but he had a couple of like four passing touchdown games. He, he actually, I think had the second most 30 point performances behind only Lamar Jackson in 2019. And then last year he played an extra game compared to his rookie season, but still scored 35 fewer fantasy points. So that's a big, that, that's a lot. You had an extra game and you're still 35 points behind what you did as a rookie. You you can't argue that I think that he got any better this year. So I think it's just another one of those situations where you're giving a young quarterback another opportunity. I would like to see them sign a quality backup in case things start to go <laughs> awry because then you can make a move because this is a team, like you said, Marcus, they have a good defense. They're in a winnable division. And I actually think they have, Pretty good pieces on offense. Are they a great offense? No, not by any stretch. But Slayton, Shepard, Tate, if you bring back Ingram, Barkley, like like you have pieces there that can do some damage at the NFL level. So I think it has to start with Daniel Jones in the, at the quarterback position. And if he doesn't, I think we're looking at a team next year that could potentially be picking top five, maybe number one uh, with a new GM and trying to get a new quarterback here too. That was it, – it's funny because – the we kind of keep saying the same thing over for a lot of these teams is that the quarterback position is really where it all starts. And for the giants, yeah, I mean, look, let's, let's be real. Uh, when they drafted Daniel Jones, where they did, a lot of people sort of had raised eyebrows and, and didn't think that, that he was going to be the guy. Um, he has shown some things, but so far, nothing that, that makes you feel like the giants, you know, were spot on by making him the number six overall pick. 
uh, and, and it really is going to be about his development this this coming off season. And 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 one, the biggest thing is, can he protect the football? That has sort of always been his thing for the first couple of years. Is just that he turns the ball over so so much. Um, and, and puts his team in a bad situation. If he can curb that, that was part of the reason I was sort of in on him as a sleeper this past year, thinking that maybe he'll figure out how to protect the football a little bit better and how he can, uh, you know, just sort of win in that area. So let's let's say that we get to July, right? And and we hear studies stories about him. Uh, you know, getting better in practice and working on ball security and vowing to protect the football. Um, are, are we going to buy back in? Are, are we ready to kind of get back on board Daniel Jones or, or were we too burned by him this past year? I think that quarterback is so deep, especially if like if Wentz is traded or something and now we could start like a Wentz and a Hurts in fantasy that I don't think there's any way Daniel Jones can even break the top 15, maybe even top 20. So realistically for fantasy, no. The only thing I, I, I know it's kind of a cop out, Marcus, but I do think he is like a good second or third quarterback pick in a best ball draft mm-hmm. because we saw it th- like he had a game this year where he had over 90 rushing yards. And, <laughs> and we saw in his rookie year, like he can score 30 fantasy points, like I said earlier. So it, he's unpredictable week to week, but with that rushing ability, if they allow him to run again, he can still have a couple of big blow-up games. So in a regular draft, no. But in a best ball draft, like when you get into the deeper rounds, I do think that is where he is best suited for fantasy. Yeah, that 90-yard game. Wasn't that the game where he had like the long run where he tripped and stumbled and fell? I think so, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so then let, let's let's look at it this way, right? You, you talk about Carson Wentz and, and places that you know, maybe he – Maybe he leaves Philadelphia. Maybe they trade him somewhere else, uh, and he goes. You know, I don't know. Pick a spot, but um, Indy. All right, so Indy, right? So Carson Wentz in Indy. You draft him over Daniel Jones next year. Yeah, with Frank, him and Frank Reich uh, reunited, I would. Okay. All right. Um, I would take Jalen Hurts too if 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 he oh, is like, starting in Philly. <laughs> yeah. No, I think. I mean, I think everybody would take Jalen Hurts over Daniel Jones just because the upside is so great. Uh, for him, I mean, with what we saw at the end of the year, I, I think that's that's going to be a no-brainer argument uh, at the end of the year. Um, all right, so our last team for this round of exit interviews is the 49ers. Uh, they have the number 12 pick. They were six and ten this year, and a season that, like I think, mostly just defined by injuries from top to bottom. You know, um, George Kittle missed a good chunk of the season. Their running backs were in and out of the lineup all year long. They had wide receiver issues, whether it was you know Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel. Uh, offensively, defensively, just injuries, injuries, injuries sort of uh, marked this. I mean, forgot the fact that uh, you know Nick Bosa missed pretty much the entire year for the 49ers. That, that was how bad it was, and this was a team that was coming off uh, a Super Bowl appearance the year before. Um, hey, look, all things considered, they battled. The fact that they were 6-10, and 10, that, you know, it really wasn't until maybe the last few weeks of the season that they were finally eliminated from, from playoff contention. So, I mean, credit to Kyle Shanahan for kind of getting this team together and, and putting some fight in them and keeping them in the race. But uh, they, just, they just had everything stacked against them. I will say, having watched them closely this year, um, I, I loved, one, the running game when it comes to Kyle Shanahan is something we always want. The fact that, we talked about how many different 49er running backs this year, Florio, that, that seemed to have value, whether it was, you know, Jeff Wilson, whether it was, um, you know, 
I know we kept trying to fit the Tevin Coleman peg in that hole, and that never really worked out. But Raheem Mostert, Jarek McKinnon, um, you know, who else Jermichael was a Hasty. Jermichael Hasty was a thing for a couple of weeks, right? So I, I mean, feel like there was another one too. Uh, yeah, I'm like I'm sitting here looking and, and trying to see who I mean. So Wilson and Mostert, McKinnon and Hasty. Uh, I think that was pretty much it. Tevin Coleman had a Tevin Coleman had 53 yards on 28 carries this year. Ooh. That's that's gross. <laughs> that's just gross. But he'll be uh, back next year. Everybody loves him. Loves him. I don't get it. Uh, but you know the, the fact that we could really count on their running game, regardless of who it was, was was encouraging. The fact that uh, their wide receivers, uh, especially Ayuk. Uh, and Samuel, when they were there, uh, that was encouraging. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought those were the good parts. I don't know if there's something else that you saw from this team that, that really was encouraging for you this past year, but I felt like that that was the part of the offense that I really felt like we could get behind. No, I completely agree. Like, I, I if you look at just the teams, Marcus, and, and how many fantasy points per game their running backs averaged, the 49ers were third in the league, despite having all those different running backs that we just talked about, only the Saints and Colts average more so what we say is true like Kyle Shanahan his run system it's like it's the Shanahan run system that has me so interested in 49ers running backs no offense to any of those running backs that we named but I think that they get propped up because of Kyle Shanahan Uh, and I'm hopeful that this year they kind of for the first time in a couple years at least come in with one set I know that was their plan this year with Raheem Mostert but Sign a running back, draft one, come back with Mostert, do something, and let's go with like one lead back because that back could be great for fantasy if they allow just one back. But also, I mean, Brandon Ayuk was a huge, huge bright spot for this 49ers team, I think. And he was kind of one of those rookie wide receivers that we put him in the back of all the rookie wide receivers that were getting hyped up this year, and he was awesome. Like he showed us that he can be a wide receiver one, I think, in the NFL level. And from week 7 through 15, before he got hurt in week 16, he put up between 17 and 23 fantasy points in all of those games. So consistent and all that. And then they'll have Kittle next year. They'll have a hopefully a healthy Debo Samuel. This offense has so many great pieces. I just – I know we're going to say it again, Marcus. I just don't know if they have the quarterback on the <laughs> roster. Um, but I, I think as a whole for this team and this offense, you have to feel great. Like two years ago or three years ago now it was – Super injured, everyone went down. Then a Super Bowl run. Then last year, everyone was injured. So I think next year, you guys are going to go back to the Super Bowl. Sweet. I love that. Um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, they don't run into Patrick Mahomes again. That would be great. Um, yeah. I, so, I mean, I feel like it is as simple as, as sort of what you picked on, though, right? When we talk about what needs to improve, I feel like it is as simple as they just have to get better quarterback play, right? Like, I think at this point, we've sort of realized that, that Jimmy Garoppolo is not the answer. Um, certainly it's not Nick Mullins. It's not CJ Beathard. Like the the quarterback that is going to get them over the hump is probably not on the roster. I don't know if that means. uh, It's not Josh Rosen. (laughs) 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 I I was a self-admitted Josh Rosen stand, which look, the fact that I was waving the flag for a UCLA Bruin tells you how much I thought of him uh, as a quarterback, but I'm also, you know, I'm also smart enough to admit that it's just not going to happen for him at this point, right? Like we Have there ever been a, a top 10 quarterback giving up on this fast? Like even Dwayne Haskins got a second season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Rosen got, what, part of a season in Arizona, and then they went out and they drafted Kyler Murray, and that's it. <laughs> like, uh, that's 15 cents or something like that? Yeah, that has been it for him since then. So, 
I mean, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it is. It's just it's it's can they find a quarterback? Whether they get one in free agency, I don't know if there's one. You, you talked about Carson Wentz going to to Indianapolis. I don't know that he fits with Kyle Shanahan, um, but I don't know. Any of those other guys, like Sam, I don't think Sam Darnold. I don't know uh, Matt Stafford. Any of these names? Stafford would be a fun one. I think Stafford would be a really fun one because I think Stafford could still play. And I think we've seen it from Stafford throughout his career. Like he has not been the problem in Detroit. Like it's, (laughs) he is a fine quarterback. He can make a lot of throws. He's also a lot of fun. Like he was sidearming it before like Mahomes made it cool. And I I think he would be a good fit. I would take Wentz. I think Wentz would be an upgrade. Uh, I I don't think Jameis would be a great fit there, but I, I mean, I would even take him for fun, you know, like there's, it's weird, Marcus, because I feel like a year ago, like when Winston signed with a backup and Dalton and all these different quarterbacks, we were kind of like, yeah, there's no spot for these quarterbacks right now. Like they got to wait a year. And now I feel like we've talked about eight teams on these podcasts. And for each one, besides like maybe the Cowboys, we're like, well, if they got better quarterback play, they have some pieces. So the Niners, though, I think if you're a veteran quarterback, like why wouldn't you want to go play there? You have a chance to legitimately win a Super Bowl like selfishly greedily um i want them to try to put together the best possible package they can maybe call it the houston texans see what it would take to get Deshaun watson out of houston that would be so much fun Deshaun watson in a kyle shanahan offense with those wide receivers you know samuel iu kittle um and that running game Whew, man i'm, I'm getting a little heat thinking about it um <laughs> So that brings me to my next question because I, you know, I was definitely driving the hype train for Brandon Ayuk late in the season. Uh, you know, I kept saying repeatedly that if he had played a full year, we would we'd be talking about him the way we talked about Justin Jefferson and CD Lamb and all these sorts of guys. And I was reminded, and it's it's a fair comment that you know maybe if you know if he was there all year long, but if they also had a healthy Samuel and a healthy Kittle all year long, that maybe it would be a little bit different. Um, so am I, am I too overhyped on, on Brandon? Ayuk? do I need to, do I need to dial it back a little bit, uh, in this off season? I, so to me, the one that worries me more is Kittle than Debo because Debo had a good rookie year, but I think Ayuk was just as good. So like, just because Debo was there first, doesn't necessarily mean like he's the wide receiver one and Ayuk can only be second option. Cause I, you look at what Debo does so well and and it's, it's run after the catch and and they'll, you know, design some runs for him and stuff. And Ayuk does that well also, but I think Ayuk showed us this year that like, that's not all he is. Like he can run down the field and go up and at at the contested point, you know, come down with the ball. And so I, I have high hopes for him, Marcus. I, I, it's going to be an interesting one that I think is going to be heavily debated all summer, but in this early, you know, mock draft that I did earlier this week, I took him on the five, six swing, him and, and Odell were my wide receivers two and three on the, I was picked 12. So at five, six, and I felt like late, you know, last pick around five, first pick around six is a fine spot to take a chance on Ayuk's upside because can he be a wide receiver one if they upgrade their quarterback? I, I do think so. I, it's funny. Cause as, as we're sitting here talking about it, because I've, I've always sort of comped, Debo Samuel to maybe a young Anquan Bolden, just a, a guy who's big and strong and great with the ball in his hands after the catch. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that Brandon Ayuk compares to Michael Crabtree, but in the sense that 
I, I go back to those offenses that they had. Look, when they went to the Super Bowl and they lost to the Ravens, where they had Crabtree and Bolden there, uh, you know, for I guess they didn't have Bolden. I don't think for the Super Bowl year, but they, you know, they had Crabtree and Bolden, and they had you know Vernon Davis for a while. And I think maybe they can sort of kind of build something like that again offensively, where you talk about Ayuk and Samuel and you know George Kittle at the tight end. So you you sort of have a lot of those pieces kind of falling into place. Um, and then the question is, just who is the quarterback? Who is the person who's who's getting the football out? And that is going to make a big difference. But I, you know, um, I guess it's a long way of me saying I'm still going to be, you know, having a love fest for Brandon Ayuk this offseason. Um, and I will once again be be driving the hype train for him. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see, though, where he gets drafted in a lot of leagues by the time we uh, we, we get to July and August. Um all right, so that was those were spots nine through twelve uh, on Thursday. We'll keep it going with what uh, thirteen through sixteen, I think. Um, plus, we have more teams that are going to be added to the list as we get through the playoffs, and more teams lose. Uh, then we can kind of keep building out our list as we get through the playoff season. One last thing, though, before we go. And last Thursday on this show, uh, I talked about Cole Beasley dropping a new single. And uh, so after the show on Thursday, I listened to it. I know you went and listened to it. I'm going to say this. It's not bad. I liked it. Um, you know, I, I and I remember um, a few years ago when he was still with the Cowboys, he dropped maybe his first single. And I kind of like that, too. So, you know, on the, the two Cole Beasley songs that I've heard, he's two for two. I, I, I'm, I'm sort of on board. I don't know if I would ever, you know, stream a whole Cole Beasley album on Spotify, but uh, I liked the couple of singles. I don't know how you how you felt about it after you listened to it. I liked it too. Uh, it, it wasn't a song that like you would, you know, the bills can use to, to hype the team <laughs> up or anything. But, but what I did like about it, Marcus is like, he talks about like some kind of real life stuff and it was a little bit relatable. Whereas like, you know, you hear some other athletes and they're talking about like, and, and rappers in general, like how rich and famous they are and stuff. And it's not always the most relatable. And so to hear Cole Beasley talk rap about some relatable stuff, I, I enjoyed it. I thought, you know, for an athlete, not bad. No, that was pretty good. Uh, for those of you who haven't checked it out, it's called Sometimes. You can find it streaming in a lot of places. And yeah, it it it, it kind of dives into his, you know, his everyday real life struggles with uh, just, you know, self-confidence, self-esteem, just trying to sort of live up to uh, expectations. And it is it is sort of refreshing to hear people kind of talk about that. I will say this, and, and this isn't just specific to athletes, but I do feel like um, – you know, we have seen more people, especially in high profile places, kind of talk about those struggles. And look, and this is definitely outside of the realm of football, but I know you, Florio, uh, a big fan of of uh, Mac Miller. Uh, and, you know, that was definitely a big theme in some of his music, especially, uh, you know, some of his more recent albums. Um, but I think it's it's sort of refreshing, as you talked about, to hear an athlete kind of go out and say that, because we always believe that these guys are supremely confident, because why wouldn't you be? Uh, you are you were playing the National Football League, right? Like you have to have a level of confidence to be able to go out there and perform. But to hear him talk about that uh, in a song, I thought was was kind of cool. So uh, thumbs up. I, I guess we'd recommend this, this single to anybody. It was better than Antonio Brown's song. That is the one thing I will definitely oh, say. That. Yeah, that. If, if that's the bar by which we're judging everybody, then there's going to be a lot of people. Um, I, think, I think he was better than Lev Bell, too. Yeah, I didn't think Lev Bell's was all that great, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, so, I don't know. We need maybe, – maybe we should put together kind of a um, – like a wrap-off between sports, right? Like, uh, I, still think, I still think Dame Lillard probably wins it. He probably takes it. Um, 
but you know, we should have it pretty good too. Yeah, I mean, here's the we should we should have like a like an eight mile style real rap battle like between athletes, right? We like we set up some sort of virtual version of the shelter, and we just have all these athletes show up and uh, and do freestyle verses. Here's the one big question I have for you, Marcus. Mm-hmm. Do you think Shaq is a good rapper? <sighs> I like here's the thing. Okay, so I think he won that battle though with with Dame Lillard. I know they had that they had that back and forth. I think Shaq won, although I feel like it's a generational thing, right? Like I feel like I feel like people who like are my age who sort of grew up watching Shaq sort of sided with Shaq. I think people who were younger who maybe grew up watching Dame sided with Dame. So I feel like this is a generational divide. I don't know. I'd say Shaq is a good rapper, but I think, <laughs> but I think, but I think he. I felt like he won that battle. How about that? I, I think that's fair. Like I, I thought his first one was better, and then he made a second one, and I, second I didn't, one, yeah. he didn't think it was go. that good. But I, I think Shaq is an enter, is more entertaining than he is good. If that, but that's fair. He, he keeps me entertained when I listen to him. So like he had that I don't like Charles Barkley line, and I was hysterically laughing while listening. To him. <laughs> It also would help if like Shaq could enunciate better. Like, I, think, I, think, I think that would go a long way towards improving his rapping. But, you know, what do I know? I just sit here and do a podcast about fake football. Um, all right. Anyway, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, who the hell is Pete? And why are we doing things for his sake? Be safe. Take care of yourselves. Wear a mask. And we'll see you on Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. 
Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.